Welcome to a special Christmas Eve edition of The Skinny. Ken Stout with you, Rico Elmore in the house, the executive producer, Rob Klepper here with us, Smoke, yes, Tony Stewart in the house as well, and a couple of call-in guests, we will feature both of them, two-time Chili Bowl winners, Rico Abreu and Corey Cruzman. Stay with us, it's going to be fun. Welcome, we're coming to you from the Fathead Studio in Speedway, Indiana, this is The Skinny, making absolutely no reference to myself or Rico Elmore with the name of that one. This place is loaded with talent, excluding myself from that. We have Rob Klepper over here, award-winning broadcaster. Is that true? Did you ever really win any awards? It is 100% true. I'd have to think about it. But, yes, uh, I think there's some awards that we made up and hung on the wall. So, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Just want to say congratulations, Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Christmas Eve edition of The Skinny. And then we also have the executive producer. We call him that because if anything goes wrong, he's the guy you want to call. That's the guy you want to send the complaints to. But Rico Elmore is here. Now, we also have another guest by another name of Rico. That's Abreu. He's out in Northern California. And then, of course, we have one more guest in-house here. We could probably talk about the accolades all night long, but nobody cares about that. The main reason he's here is because he's going to be back at the Chili Bowl, behind the wheel once again. Exciting news. No, not a midget. Behind the wheel of the tractor. Tony Stewart in the house. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I got suckered into this with you guys, but I guess they figured if if we added me to this, we might be able to have two people total combined that can have enough talent in this show to do something here. We hear uh, we hear Corey Cruzman might call in a little bit later on, and Rob Klepper, of course, I think it was Rob Klepper that pointed it out. This is really the the theme is almost the two time Chili Bowl winners of you and Rico and Corey all winning the thing twice, so. Pretty cool. And, of course, we're going to talk about the Chili Bowl a little bit. But uh, first, let's come off of what happened there at the Dome on on Friday and Saturday night. Really, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But but that Larson kid seems to be on fire here once again. And this is the one that always escapes him. The Chili Bowl seems to always get away from him for whatever reason. But, man, he seems like he is on fire and ready to rock and roll coming off the turkey night. Then, obviously, at St. Louis as well. Yeah, he's uh, seven for eight. Uh, as his as a car owner, if you will, in this new car that he has, um, Lucas Oil sponsor on the side, but uh, seven eight wins uh, kicked all their butts uh, to close out the year with USAC. Uh, went to Turkey Night, uh, rained out, ran it the next day. Track was brutally rough, just with all the weather they had there in SoCal, and uh, stunk it up again and picked up his third career uh, Turkey Night Grand Prix win. So uh, Kyle Larson right now is certainly one of the, if not the hottest driver. On the planet, I think um, within the last few hours, landed over in New Zealand. He'll be racing over there with a lot of the uh, the midget drivers as well. So he's got to be the odds-on favorite uh, going into this year's Chili Bowl. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, how do you not pick him as the favorite right now? I mean, he's he's the hottest guy in a midget. Doesn't matter where it's at. Doesn't matter what the conditions are. Um, and you know he's going to have the bit in his teeth when it comes to Chili Bowl time. I mean, he's he's probably the hungriest driver to win a Chili Bowl Nationals right now. Of course, Rico, you might have a little something to say about that. I'm sure you want to chime in and get it done. And if we take a look, a little bit of a change here going into the Chili Bowl this year as well, because it's been Keith Coon's cars that won this thing for the past five years. And, of course, Kyle will no longer be in a Keith Coon's car. He has his own entry, along with Christopher Bell with his own entry, uh, Rico, you probably are, are up to speed on what's going on with that, but talk to me a little bit about that Keith Coons team and the powerhouse you guys are bringing, already bringing eight or nine cars. Yeah, Keith always uh, kind of has an army there when it comes to Chili Bowl and, and throughout his season. So it's, uh, it is it is always, uh, you know, these things go, all, go in spurts uh, with really good drivers and, and getting in organizations and 
Keith's always done a, a great job with supplying great cars uh, and allowing all these kids to showcase their talents. So um, Kyle and Christopher, no matter what cars they get in, I feel like they excel right to the top. And uh, I've always been comfortable in a Coons car and, and I'm looking forward to the Chili Bowl in 2020. Um, I've uh, had a lot of success there over the last few years and I feel like uh, the car I've ran the last, uh, you know, couple years is uh, is the same car I've won with. So I'm looking forward to getting back in that thing. You know, a quick question for you in terms of setup because of your body structure and you've been with Keith Coons all along the way. If you were to go to a different chassis, your own car, how how switched on are you in terms of how that car is set up? Could you duplicate pretty much what Keith has been doing with your cars? Uh, it's hard. I'm, I'm sure, uh, you know, cause Keith's had his, a way that he's done, um, or prepared these cars for however long he's worked on them, um, before I was born. So, uh, he's, he's been doing it a long time. And that's why one thing I really enjoy about getting a race for Keith Coons is I don't have to think about anything. I know that it's, uh, you know, when I get in the driver's seat of a Keith Coons midget, it's going to be the best car, uh, I've ever gotten in. So, um that's what's created all this success from when i've raced his cars in the championships i've won and the chili bowls and the wins at eldora you know these these races mean so much to me and um i always just leave it up to keith and i know when i get in a keith coon's car it's it's the best prepared car that uh in that race great stuff and if you go back and take a look at st louis a good a good turnout there and I wanted to ask all you guys about this. And Rob, you were you were part of this for a little bit as well. I mean, half of those guys are already down in New Zealand, so holidays are gone. You you think about Turkey night? You you're racing on on Thanksgiving night, Thanksgiving day. They're racing. Then they go and race in St. Louis, and immediately hop on a plane. And I think those guys are. I think Christopher Bell's on a plane right now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, headed down there. Uh, Kyle already down there, along with a bunch of those guys. So how many how many holidays did you spend away from home running down there? <laughs> Uh, quite a few actually, but that's, you know, you think about it as a race car driver, that's, that's exactly what race car drivers want. They want to race all the time. Doesn't matter where it is. And you think about these guys that are overseas racing right now. I mean, by the time you get through Turkey night, I mean, that's a long, that's longer into the calendar year than anybody else runs to begin with in the States. Now you send those guys overseas and by the time they get to Chili Bowl, they, they're on their game. They're right in, you know, they've never had an off season. They've never had time to, to, get lazy, gain weight, you know, eat bad foods in the holidays and all that. They're literally on top of what they're doing over there. So when they come to Chili Bowl, it's just like they went from somewhere else the week before, which literally is the case, went from being in a race car the week before to getting in another race car, just just like you're in the middle of the summer over here. And as you say, I'm sure it helps people like Kyle and Christopher Bell get right back up to speed because they haven't run as many races as, say, you know, Rico or, or some of the guys that have been chasing USAC National Midget Points. All, all those guys, what do they run the better part of 70, 80, 90 races a year behind the wheel and Bell and, and Kyle have to come out of a full-bodied car and kind of catch back up to speed, which <laughs> it looks like they have. Yeah. They do pretty easily. And you do that. You bounce around. How hard is that? It's it's really not at their age. I mean, those guys have the talent that it's not bouncing. It's, it's literally just how you climb in. It's different and what it feels like is different. But for those guys, it's it's just another day at the office for them. I mean, they, they do it so much that it's not like they're in a car for – 12 weeks or 14 weeks and, and don't get in an open wheel car. So for those guys, it's, 
it's just another, it's like getting off of one bicycle and getting on another bicycle. You still do the same thing. It just, it might feel a little different to start with, but it does not take any time for those guys to get used to it. They're, they're up to speed right away. One of the, one of the interesting things about it is it's like, you know, everybody, I was looking at it when we were upstairs a little bit ago of, you know, who's won this thing once, you know what I mean? Which is an honor. The group that's on there that's won it is, is amazing. The ones that have won it twice, I think there's four people that have won it twice, you know, and, uh, you know, of course, as you said, Tony, Rico, Corey, and um, Dan Bors. Dan Bors, exactly. Yeah, and that was out of nowhere, but yes. So uh, thanks, Rain Man. <laughs> but uh, if, anyhow, uh, you know. So, <clears throat> and everybody had a different a different path getting there, you know. And um, you know, it was it was just crazy to kind of look at some of the guys in the beginning that how they got there, you know, the Sammy Swindells that, you know, way back that won, you know, Dan, that guy that he mentioned, you know. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, if, and I'm sure Tony remembers because um, whatever year he won it for the second time, he was running, I think, third, and he, he got by, you were running second to Jay. He got by Tony with, I think, two to go, and he passed Jay, I want to say on the last lap. On the last lap. Yeah. It was definitely through. Uh, Jay was in two. a Coons car. Yeah, and yeah, then drove drove by Dave. Jay. I think Jay was running around the bottom, and and Boris went up on yeah. top. But but he's right. one of those guys. When we talk about the Chili Bowl, one of those named guys that, uh, as far as mainstream, especially these days with the car count that we have, that you may not know of. You may yeah. not. You go Dan right. Boris, who was that? But in his day, was legit. Like oh, yeah. obviously one of the best midget racers of all time from up there in Wisconsin. And um, a two-time winner of the Chili Bowl. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. It's a big deal. Yeah. So and, big. and I got to run with him when I started with Keith. I mean, when I the first time I got to run with Keith was at a uh, hundred green flag lap midget race, uh, the weekend when USAC was at uh, the Milwaukee Mile. We ran Hills Corner, and uh, Kevin Doty led the majority of that race. And I don't know if he started running out of fuel or what happened, but he had some kind of a problem. And that's how I won with Keith. But Paige Jones and I ran together as teammates at the time and i was just getting into full midgets i didn't get off the bottom very much i was used to running three-quarter midgets page never got off the top i never got off the bottom <laughs> and we would go through the field but to you had to beat him you had to beat randy cook um hatton pat olson. yeah scott yeah, yeah scott hatton um you know olson was yeah olson was still in the mix at that time too i mean there were there was some tough talent in wisconsin that you it was never an easy road uh, winning a race in that area. That's what sure. that's what's cool about the Chili Bowl. I mean, like you said, looking over the the list of winners, I often like to look at the the guys, the big name drivers that haven't won the Chili yeah. Bowl, from a Steve right. Kinzer to yeah. a, a Kenny Schrader back in the day, and all these guys that have raced it. Donnie uh, Beachler that haven't won. Donnie the Chili Beachler Bowl. won. Yeah, it, yeah. Which Donnie I've, Beachler got yeah, one. Which yeah. I thought that you know was. But awesome. I still think of all those guys though when you look at it and you go, which Chili Bowl was was one that really stands out in your mind. It's it's got to be the first one that Rico won. I mean, he won it with such style, and and I mean, it just it was like he took his nuts and threw them over his shoulder and <laughs> said, "Catch me if you can." And that's yeah. uh, you know the win was big, the celebration was even bigger. I think that was the first time, and Rico can probably answer that better than anybody. That's the first time I can remember that anybody actually flipped the car after the checkered flag was over and doing the celebration. And but that's what people remember. I mean, that's probably in my memories of all the chili right. bowls that I've been to and then worked now, uh, his, his first win was the biggest one that I ever remember. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe it was the first one for Toyota. Was it not Rico? 
Uh, yeah, it was. And it was uh, obviously very special for me. Uh, you know, you, there's so much buildup in that race. There's so much energy in that building. And it's, you know, you, the year before I, I felt like I was pretty close to racing up front. And I know the Coons cars, you know, Larson battled there with the Swindells and Larson ended up falling out of the race and Bell, something happened. And then I was right up there with Sa or with uh, Kevin and uh, Brian uh, the first year, and I had to beat both. I, you know, you straight up just beat beat them, uh, and that was the coolest part. Uh, and then you uh, you hear the crowd in the background chanting your name, and it was just so special, really. How hard? I know we've talked about this before on on the TV broadcast. Your your driving style is so aggressive. When when Rico's on the racetrack, he's so aggressive. He really charges the corner. It almost looks like he drives it in twenty five feet further than anybody else, especially on, on a little track like that. But how how aggressive can you be on that racetrack in Tulsa? I mean, it's so small, it's so tight. It's it's not one of those tracks that it's easy to get around. It's it's even though it is a just a dirt oval in theory, it seems like it is very technical to try and get around. It's because he's got all that extra nose weight up there because he doesn't have any weight on the rear tire, so you can get that thing to rotate. <laughs> it's uh you know, it gets tricky when it gets slick and slow and uh, you know, you gotta get really finesse and uh the cushion builds up the last few years pretty tall and the entries get really slick, so you can't it's hard to really hammer it getting in. Uh you're more so focusing on keeping your wheels spin up so you're not slamming your nose uh when you know when you slam that cushion with your right rear. Going back to that first win, did, when you took the lead, could you hear the crowd? Could you could you I, see the I crowd in the stands? Was, could you hear them? I was so focused on making perfect laps. Like it was so crazy how all of that uh, went down and catching lap traffic and knowing that, you know, I, I always, I always was back then I was always scared to catch lap traffic and knowing that, you know, the lap cars could be running side by side and that lets everyone behind you catch you. And, uh, and then, you know, if someone wrecks in front of you, but you know, nowadays you kind of don't worry about that stuff, but it's, it was so, uh, I think I got the lead with like 10 or so to go. So it was, I knew I had to make perfect laps and it's so hard to do uh, in a race like that. And that's that big. And you, you just have to just kind of let your instincts take over and, and go with it. So you're saying you never saw the crowd. You never heard the crowd when you got the lead like that. I you didn't, were so no, focused I on your lap. That's I crazy. wasn't paying attention. They went crazy. Yeah. yeah. How about your first Chili Bowl win? Well, and I'm, Kevin Doty and, and Corey Cruzman were the two guys I, I had to beat to win my first one there. And, and Doty was on the top. Cruzman was probably the fastest car behind me, and I had him kind of hemmed up. But, I mean, literally it was, like you said, I mean, it was corner to corner, whether who was taking the lead, who, whether it was, you know, whether Kevin was getting it back or if he made a mistake and I got back to the lead and I made a mistake, he got back to the lead. And then Cruzman's back there. And if I make a big enough mistake, he's probably going to pick both of our pockets. So, um <laughs> you didn't you couldn't see the crowd but the lights weren't as good then i mean the lights are much better right. uh, in in the expo center now than they were did you have the jumbotron did was not, that, have, a jumbotron. Did not tron. have a jumbotron now that did come into play the second year i won uh the second year I, I drove my own car for tsr and uh i remember jj yaley was running second to us and and i forget why the track was a little off that year but it was on the bottom yaley would try for a lap on the restarts to try to rip around the top and and uh then after that, he'd get back in line. And, and I think Justin Algar ran third that year with no brakes and had to run the bottom to with no brakes to, to run third. But 
Uh, I do remember I could sit there and look at the big screen on the front stretch, run on the bottom because you, you're not running near as hard as you are on the top. And, and I could sit there and watch my gap. And once I could get enough of about a, I don't know, four or five car length lead, then I knew I could start opening my entry up and let it have its head a little more on the exit and then make better lap times. But, you know, the first lap or two, you had to kind of protect the bottom, make sure nobody was going to dive underneath you. And Yaley would do that if you gave him that opportunity. So, uh, you know, you, you just had to, that was the advantage of having the big screen at the time is you could, you could kind of huge peek up Huge advantage, right? I mean, over oh, yeah. The, yeah, that's a huge advantage for you guys. Any little thing to help out. I mean, it's in a perfect spot. I mean, as they come yeah. off four, it's sitting there all the yeah, way Yeah, and they've got the so much away. time down to they turn got one. Like I mean, three just, seconds you might as well watch to, TV for a moment, you know? I got nothing else to do. Let's watch TV. I can tell you this. If those guys are watching that TV, they're guys that are going to be in like the F or G main or lower because they're running the guys that the fast guys are running way too fast to be able to watch that screen and, and, and see what's going on. So glance uh, up, you glance up at it, right? Can you glance up at it? Or I don't no? think you can when you're no. under green. I, honestly. Yeah. I don't ever. Yeah. I've never really looked up at it. It's, it's too much of a distraction. I feel like if you come around at the right time, you get to watch the replay of what happened behind you and why there's a caution and wreck. But other than that, uh, it's, it's more for the fans. So I've got one for you. How about the a little bit of history of this sport, of this race, I should say. Over 20 years, never had a back-to-back winner, and then all of a sudden, Kevin wins it four times in a row. Rico wins it two times in a row. Bell's won it the last three times in a row. What has possibly changed to go 23 years without a back-to-back win and then have it happen the way it's happened? Like Rico mentioned, it's, it's a tough race to win by itself. Uh and you think of so many things on your, I mean, your whole quali- your qualifying nights. Your sets prelim up night alone, right? I mean, that's my everything. goodness, just to get through that night is incredible. Yeah, I mean, you, to, you have to, you know, out of, what, 80 cars a night, you had to finish in the top three just to, just to go to the A. And I think last year, I think it went down to the top two. Yeah, when they added uh, Monday, they With the Monday away. prelims. So you sit there and think that you're racing against 70-some cars, and all of a sudden you've got to finish in the top three of that just to just to lock into the A main. And that's not even going to give you a great starting spot if you're the guy in third. Uh, that That's going to bury you in the A main, but that's what it takes just to get in the show. So there's so many things from uh, your first heat race, the qualifying race, uh, and then whatever main you're in. I mean, it, everything has to go right every time you're on the track to even have that opportunity to to, to a win, let alone have that same kind of luck two years in a row to go back to back. So it, I, I watch from the infield now. I mean, I don't know how many years I've been doing the track and you watch guys like Rico Abreu and, and Christopher and Larson and, uh, you know, Tanner Thorson and these guys that just absolutely, I mean, they drive like they, they, they drive like their next lap is what's either going to keep their ride or they're going to get fired. I mean, that's, that's how hard they're driving these things, but to know that there's so many variables, there's only so many variables that can go right, but there's a hundred times more variables that can go wrong on a night like that to, that takes that opportunity away from you. Well, Kevin Swindell, I, I think it was last year, he said, you know, you can't win the Golden Driller in your heat race on your prelim night, but you can sure lose it. Yes. Because if, if, you're, if your week starts out bad, if you start in third or fourth and you have a problem, mechanical issue, you get caught up in someone else's mess and end up seventh, eighth, ninth in that heat race, boom, you're straight to a C main. You got the alphabet soup on prelim night. I mean, it, it, you can bury yourself in a hurry, and that's why the cream kind of rise to the top. You know, they're, they're smart. They drive smart. Yeah, they're, they're aggressive, but they're patiently aggressive. You know, I mean, Rico knows, listen, I'm starting fourth. If I can get at least a second, that's going to get me pretty good points going into the qualifiers. So these guys, they have an idea where they're at, but they all want to get up to the front and win, but they're probably not going to go six wide to take that opportunity because sure. if it doesn't go well in that particular heat race, 
like I said, you can get buried in a hurry. Rico, when you when you see where you're starting in your prelim heat race night, uh, when you see where your your heat race lineup is, what what's your mindset when you when you get ready to go out for that heat? I mean, what's what's your approach? What's what are you thinking as far as you know guys that you're with there and where your starting spot? But how what's the mindset of what's what are you truly thinking about right before you push off for that heat race? Yeah, how aggressive well, are you? You know, wanting to be right in the beginning. I think the biggest thing really off the mindset is, is getting what you can, getting what you can get out of your heat races. You know, you you can't go in there and and know, man, I got to win this heat race or I got to finish second or third, or if I start eighth, I have to win. You know, you, you take what you can get and you take that to the qualifier and you take what you can get out of that. And then you, wherever you start in your feature, you you know, you can't, when you start, when you put yourself in that kind of a position uh you can get yourself in a lot of trouble where you're forcing things and uh you're trying to play catch up or you're trying to fix your mistakes and you lose two more spots you know and um you know so i just be really patient with it i think the older i've gotten the more patient and wiser i've gotten with my decisions and uh it's kind of put me in some good spots to to have a shot at winning the chili bowl yeah to go along with what you were I know where you were leading with that is, and, and because I think the first couple of times that you won that race, Rico, and granted, if you can start off on the pole, you can go pretty hard right off the bat and not have to worry about it too much. But I do feel like you drove really aggressive in those first couple of years, but maybe the next couple of years after that, where you haven't won, maybe that opportunity just not, has not presented itself. So given what you just said, is there a situation where you say to yourself, okay, I'm not going to be so aggressive that I go out and try to force a top five finish here, but conversely, do you think to yourself, I just don't want to make a huge mistake here, and consequently, you race a little more conservative? Absolutely. Uh, you know, and you you take that, say that sixth or seventh place finish on your prelim night, uh, instead of trying to force something for a third place or a second, and you run that into the B main on Saturday, and you transfer out of the B main. You know, so it's all about putting yourself in good position. Uh, and it goes back to, uh, you know, where luck beats preparation. Uh, you know, if you're prepared and you position yourself in those spots, that's where luck helps you out. Um, but by forcing things, uh, and that's where your chili bowl, bad luck, uh, you know, comes in. And I think it's, it kind of shows how the chili bowl format and how, how it plays out has changed. I'd say more so in the last 10 years than, you know, 20 years ago to 10 years ago was totally different. You wanted to draw when you drew, you you hoped that you drew dead last in your heat race and, and drew a heat race with a lot of slow cars. The problem is now you have so many good cars. There aren't slow cars. You're not going to get a whole heat of slow You're cars. You're going to get somebody. And now instead of wanting to draw on the tail and hope you can not only win the race and get all the passing points, like Riga said, just, start on the pole and, and win your heat race. Now you're 40th in points already. Stay out of it's, trouble, right? Just stay but, out of trouble. And, but yeah. I think realistically now, I mean, the goal is probably to, I'd, I'd say the sweet spot is probably third or fourth, maybe fifth at the most that you go. Yeah. If I can draw that second row and, and get a slow first row, that's, that's probably best case scenario. Cause you're You still want to, you want to be in a heat race that you can win the, win the heat for sure. And get those maximum points. But then it's how many rows back can you go back to, to only, you know, to pass how many cars that you can, can you realistically pass to get to the lead, to get those passing points, to get, get higher in the standings. So 
I, we're used to, I mean, I remember watching Andy Hillenberg sit there and start dead last and win the thing by a, a straightaway. Those days are long gone. Somebody starting eighth and winning like that. But that's what was, that's what makes the, the whole week of Chili Bowl so cool are those heat races and watching these big names. I mean, every heat race has got a big name in it. So to watch that guy, and now it's even, there's so many big names in it now that you might have two guys in it that are big names in, in the same heat race. But to watch that guy go from the back, have to pull off some amazing pass to get through some point of the heat race to get to the lead and then to to go on like that. I mean, that's what made it all exciting. I mean, you didn't want to miss a lap of a heat race the entire week because that's where, I mean, you saw why these guys were the guys you were going to be watching in the A main on Saturday night, because you knew, you knew watching their heat races that they were going to be somebody that was going to get a lot of points, have probably a big night at the end of the night and go on for big things. And that's when the crew chiefs don't have any nails left. The dads are pacing. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's not, it, we know it's a humbling building because uh, not necessarily just because you're good or had a good year means you're going to go make the A main exactly. chili bowl. But um, it, it, it's tough. I mean, when you, you roll down that ramp and you're starting, like you said, you got your heat race coming up and you go, who's in this thing. I remember our first heat race there. It was like, you know, Tony Stewart, Jerry Coons, Casey Kane, Levi Jones, and then us. And I'm like, awesome. So we're running where we start. I mean, where are you going to go? You know, like he said, it's just, it's stacked, but, um, it's, it's a hectic. And when you're back there, you got a car in the heat race. You're kind of just going, eh, don't go do, don't do that. Go, eh, it's you know, and then you get through it, and you go, okay, good, we made it, we gained a few spots, like you said, all four wheels. Uh, you know, we rolled back up the ramp, and uh, we can get ready for the qualifier. But it's a it's a hectic moment there for that those ten laps. And if that's not enough, when you draw your heat racer, you're like, who in the hell's this guy? Right, never heard of this guy. Same thing. You don't know Where's who's this on? guy here. Rookie said, so how about the rookies? They decide this is where I'm going to make oh, my yeah, debut. I'm going to make track. my yeah. name. I'm going to make my name yeah. there that week. They're going to know who track. I am. It's a good place to good start. Place you know, to start. it's not Winchester. <laughs> no. It's not Eldora. It's yeah. not the Belleville High Banks. We're going <laughs> to yeah. go to Chili Bowl. But <laughs> that's the hard part. Is a lot of these guys are are champions at their in their region, their local track, and it's they may be they may be one of the best drivers you've never seen before. Or they might be the biggest scud missile. That's and that's the hard part is you know going into it that you've got to guard against that. You've got to sit there. I I knew as soon as the heat race lineups came out, I sat there and made sure I knew as much about everybody that was in my heat race as possible. Tried to find out if I didn't know who they were, I found somebody that did know who they were. This guy, wherever he runs, does he run the top? Does yeah. he run the is bottom? He, is he going to take off on the start? Does he know thing, where he's you know? going to go when he gets yeah. to one? Does he know where he's going to be? You know, it, those are the things that you have to know because. You like you said, and like Rico said, you've got to give yourself the best opportunity. And part of that is part of the best offense is a good defense. You've got to know who you're racing with and, and what you're up against. And that's where you see a lot of guys get in trouble when they go to Chili Bowl. That's really interesting information. I, actually, I mean, I, I race a lot with my son. I spot all the time for my son. And, and we look at all the competitors that were around in any given race. But it seems like no matter how many times we plan, okay, in the start, let's think about this guy's probably going to do this or this guy's going to do that. You can think about it for two days, and it doesn't matter. As soon as they drop the green flag, it all changes immediately. So you actually would do your homework as much or homework as much as possible, and then really count on, or at least having an idea of where that you think that guy wants to go. Did it ever pan out? Yeah, it did. And it, and it's I kind of think about watching the bull riders, and they know when they draw that bull, they they're like, all right, this bull out of the shoot, this bull goes to the left and stays spinning to the left. Or this bull starts out to the left. He's going to jump up. He's going to go back to the right at some point. Uh, but that's that's the things that you had to do. And so, it was almost better if you knew the guys. I'd rather almost ran against guys that were a little bit better 
but I knew what they were going to do versus guys that, that didn't. But, you know, I know the one year I started on the second row and I knew this guy on the front, uh, knew who he was, didn't know a lot about him, but just knew that when he went down into one, he was not going to hit the bottom. And sure enough, it was like he was a soapy dish rag and slid clean across in front of everybody. And I just waited and went, thank you. And (laughs) off you go. But that's just where you got to try to, you got to at least try to understand who are those guys that I'm racing with. What's their tendencies? What's, uh, what could possibly happen? Is this kid going to be one of those guys that's going to drive over you going into the first turn? You're going to have to really guard, give him extra room. You just don't know. And so the more information you can get on these guys, I think gives you that better opportunity to, to plan out, you know, perfect case scenario of how your race is going to go. And, you know, like I say, sometimes you got to give a guy a little extra room on the first lap because he's going to take more than what he's really going to have. And, and, you know, if you want to take care of yourself, you got to, got to give a little bit. This podcast has been produced by Fathead Studios. And for more on Fathead's eyewear, you can always go to fatheads.com. And that's with a Z. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Skinny. To watch the video versions of all of our shows, please visit our YouTube channel, Fatheads TV.